Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 110 of Parenting in Real Life. Happy Chinese Lunar New Year. I'm nodding. (laughs) We are recording on... Chinese New Year. It is a 15-day celebration, but today is the kickoff, and our son is in a Chinese immersion class, and they're learning all about it, and they have a program this week, so it's super fun. We've been celebrating it as our family, and here is a little clip of Nathan wishing you a Happy New Year in Chinese. Nathan. To me, most Chinese words sound like abbreviated swear words. <laughs> yes, Alan will pretend to speak Chinese and just... Shorten swear words. <laughs> Done. I speak Chinese. <laughs> we won't give you examples. <laughs> Not appropriate for the podcast. Family podcast. And now for our Hot Mess Hot Minute. Today we are airing an interview that we had with Darla Trendler. She is the host of Spiritually Minded Women. It's my favorite podcast. <laughs> no, she, uh, she does host a podcast. Alexis was on her podcast last year. Mm-hmm. She came and talked to us just recently, and she was giving some great tips. She's a little further along than we are in life, and so she's got some teenagers and was sharing some insights that she's learned about that transition from sweet, loving, though terrible children. She doesn't talk about that part, but... Um, <laughs> No, everybody with teenagers talks about little kids like they're just angels. I'm like, mm-hmm. but she did talk about what you need to know to survive those teenage years and really thrive. I loved her outlook. She really talked about how her, I think it was her brother, told her that the teenage years were his favorite. And so it just totally changed her mentality on it. And she talked about some of the tips that she gave for that. And that's what I love about Darla. She's one of my favorite podcasters, and she has always talked about how fun it is to have teenagers. And I feel like that's rare to hear. People always complain about their teens, but she's like, I really love my teenagers. And that's the type of mom that I want to be. And I feel like those are going to be my best years too. I think I'm more of a teenage mom than I am a little kid mom. But I think this is even helpful for parents who have younger children as well to just start thinking about those years ahead. Because I think as you're starting to create these relationships with your small kids, someday they'll be teens. So this will just kind of help build upon that and help you be more ready for the teen years. 100%. And so she talks about things like allowing your kids to use their agency as early and as much as possible. Also, switching from that role of micromanaging to guiding and mentoring and listening more than you talk. So really good stuff that she shared. I thought it was super helpful as we've got kids that are kind of changing that mindset and moving into those tween and teen years. So hope it's helpful for you. So here is our interview with Darla Trendler. 
We are so excited to have Darla Trendler on the podcast today. She is the creator and host of the Spiritually Minded Women podcast. And if you haven't heard that podcast yet, you should definitely go listen. It's amazing. She helps Latter-day Saint women embrace their personal and unique journey on the covenant path. She is also the creator of an online course, The Latter-day Mom's Guide to Spiritually Empowering Your Teen. Her goal is to help women gain confidence in hearing and following God's voice. Darla has been married to Tim for 24 years and they have four children ages 22, 20, 17, and 14. She is going to be talking to us about the transitions from kids to teenagers, which is awesome because she has gone through that. (laughs) She's ahead of us. (laughs) I love this. But yeah, we were so excited to have you here, Darla. Well, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I've learned a few things. I'm still in the middle of teenagers too. So always learning and growing. I kind of view motherhood as seasons. Just when you think you have something figured out, like things shift and change. And so there's always new transitions and new things to go through. Yes. Yes. Awesome. Well, we would love for you to share with us your parenting and real life moment to get us started today. Okay. Well, one thing you should know about me is I'm a wrestling mom through and through my boys have wrestled all through junior high and high school. And I grew up in a wrestling family. I grew up in a little town in Utah where wrestling was king at wrestling was everything. So I love wrestling when my boys, I didn't push them into it, but when they decided to do it, I was really excited. So mm-hmm. I like go to the meets more than my husband does. I am at everyone. I don't miss them. I love it. And now my second one is a senior now. So this is my last year of wrestling. We're in the middle of a season right now. Anyway. So when that same son, my second son was in junior high, he was at a tournament on a Saturday and my other son was there kind of coaching him, but also he had a coach there. And so I'm just in the stands cheering. That's what I do. (laughs) And so his bout gets called and he's getting ready to start wrestling and the ref all of a sudden stops and he looks around and he notices there's no coach in the corner for my son. (laughs) And he's like, well, you have to have a coach. You have to have an adult on the mat with you, or you can't wrestle. And my son doesn't know what to say. And he's like, I don't know where my coach is. And they're kind of looking around. They don't see the coach. They don't see my other son. And then the ref says to him, do you have a parent here? And he's like, well, my mom's here. He points to me in the stands and the ref's like, Hey mom, you need to come down here. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I'm like, you know, I have my purse and (laughs) down there and I'm standing on the side of the mat and um, he's like, you got to be here. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't know that I have enough knowledge. I know a lot, but I don't know if I know enough to really coach him. So he starts the match and I'm kind of kneeling down on the mat. I've seen the coaches do and yelling things that I think that he should do, you know, and cheering for him still. And then all of a sudden he gets a bloody nose. My son gets a bloody nose. And of course, any kind of blood, they stop everything. And usually they have rags and they have spray and they clean stuff up. Well, nobody had anything. And so the ref looks at me, the mom on the side of the mat, he's like, what are we going to do? And I'm like, okay. And I throw my son, his t-shirt. I'm like, go mop up the blood on the mat. And he's trying to stop his bloody nose. And I reach into my purse and I have tissues and I stick tissue up his nose. <laughs> and we kind of, you know, he takes a few breaths and we get the, the blood cleaned up and send him back out onto the mat. And he ends up winning the match. He took awesome. in the tournament. It was just hilarious. Cause I'm like, here I am the mom you know, <laughs> side trying to clean up everybody's mess. Like it's nothing new. Like that's what moms do. And it was no different on the wrestling. And then I go back in the stands and all the dad watching their kids wrestle. were like, way to go, mom. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that is my parenting in real life moment. Oh, I so love that. I love that. I feel like that's how parenting is. You kind of get thrown into these situations. You're like, 
I don't really know what I'm doing, but here exactly. we are. <laughs> you just do the best you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Totally. I, uh, I grew up in a, a wrestling town too. I didn't wrestle, but I went to a lot of wrestling meets. Those are marathon meets. Those are yeah. not short oh, days. Yeah. That's yeah my Saturdays right now are about eight hours at uh, least, you know, at a, in sitting at a gym at a tournament, but yep. uh, it's fine. A lot of those. Actually, my high school was a wrestling school too. We weren't good at football, but we were really good at wrestling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's cool. That's a great story. Yeah, I love that. So today, like we said, you're going to talk us through what we're about to get into. Our oldest is almost 11 and we're sensing it. It is coming. She keeps mm-hmm. thinking she's 12. She's keeps trying to sit in the front seat of the car. I'm like, she's like, I'm almost 12. I'm like, you are a whole year from 12. <laughs> you're not even 11. I'm not even 11 yet. You're on the cusp of that. Yeah. yeah. And That's she's tall. It. So she's taller than she's, a lot of the 12 yeah. year olds. <laughs> That's when it all starts. Right. Mm-hmm. So what tips would you give somebody like us that's about to enter that time? What would you say to us so that we can make that transition easier? Well, I'll tell you my experience and my husband's experience. We were at your stage. We have four kids. So our kids were like just getting all into elementary school and everything. And we were like, we have this thing figured out. Like <laughs> this parenting thing, our kids were good and they got good grades and they were involved in stuff and doing good things. And people were always telling us, oh, your kids are so well behaved. And we were like, oh, we have this totally figured out. And, <laughs> and then our oldest daughter became a teenager. And really quickly, we were like, oh, we don't have anything figured out. <laughs> and I think one of the biggest lessons that I learned from that time in our parenting. And I'll say our, because my husband and I went through this together. We had a shift. The way that we parented little kids was we kind of micromanaged. We were like, okay, you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And you know, this is what you're going to eat. And I think we could have done a better job when they were little kids of letting them make their own decisions. And we just micromanaged everything. We made all the decisions for them. And then when our oldest daughter became a teenager, we started to notice she was almost paralyzed to make decisions for herself. Mm-hmm. And when she was about 13, I remember one incident where she went to my husband in the morning, they were, the kids were all kind of making breakfast and getting ready to go for the day. And she was trying to make toast. And she was asking my husband, well, how do you make toast? And he was like, you don't know how to make toast. And she was like, (laughs) she was afraid to even try because we had always done everything for her or told her exactly how to do something. And she didn't know. It just really caused us to pause. And we're like, whoa, I mean, it's such a little thing, but it was like, oh, we're not really empowering her to make her own decisions and learn skills that will help her throughout her life. So we kind of started to shift things at that point. And it, it impacted our daughter, especially the oldest, the oldest one. You're like trial and error. You don't know what yeah. you're doing. We've gotten <laughs> yes. better. Uh, in fact, she comes home now she's 22 and she's like, what her little sister, like we are doing things way different than we yeah. did with her. And she's like, I can't believe you're doing that. And I'm like, yeah, we've learned and we've grown, but <laughs> I think that was the first thing. So I think that's my first tip. And, and you can start this when your kids are younger, anytime you can let them make their own decision about something especially when they're younger, like the stakes are not that high and that builds confidence in them so that when they do get older and the decisions are more important and more life altering, and they have the confidence and the skills 
to make those decisions. So that was the mistake that we made that we had to correct. And as she got to be an older teenager, we got better at that, but we were just trying to micromanage everything because, well, we have these good kids and really I'll be totally honest. We wanted other people to say, Oh, look at what great kids you have. Instead of letting our kids (laughs) fail sometimes and letting them because failure is a way for them to learn and grow. We just wanted to have total control and you cannot do that with teenagers and have them be able to be successful functioning, Another thing that we kind of adopted at that time was the saying that we're not trying to raise good kids. We're trying to raise kids who become great adults. Mm -hmm. And we wanted kids that could leave our home and go out and function and do great things in this world. And that we could just be that launching point to help them to be able to do that. Yeah. I love that. That's such a different mindset and maybe a blessing that you had that kind of teenager first, because I hear a lot of people talk about like losing control with their teenagers. And it's not about like, how can we give our kid more freedom? But it's like, oh no, we're losing that, that grip we had on our kids. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a good perspective of, it's not that you're losing the control, you're allowing them to grow. Right. And start to make those decisions on their yeah. own. Right. Cause like you said, you do want them to be able to function once they leave your house. And I think that's hard when they're still at home to give them those type of choices, but someday they will leave and have to start making their own decisions. Right. And- and you want them to be able to be successful. So it's being proactive of like, learn, you've got to learn how to do this. Cause we're, we're out of the picture. Yeah. Here yeah. And I think even I've seen with my kids, sometimes they'll be like, just tell me what to do. And we're like, nope, <laughs> we're not going to tell you what to do. Like, <laughs> you have to make this choice. And even if the choice isn't the best one, they learn and grow from that. Something my husband and I have discussed a lot lately, especially when you start to get young adult kids and then you really can't say anything and you really Uh have to let them make their own decisions. Mm -hmm. There's really no failure, especially when you're just trying to learn. And if you look at it, like I'm just having learning experiences, I'm just trying to grow. There's no failure. It's just an experience that taught you something and helped you to become better and to have an experience that helped you move along and progress. And so that's kind of what we've tried to do now, it wasn't always the case, but that's what we've tried to get to. Yeah. It really comes down to agency and letting them choose a lot. So how would you, for those of us that are scared, right? Like how have you, (laughs) how have you done that? Especially as you had four chances to learn, how has it been different? Give us some more examples of how that's been different with the, the kids that came later. I think, well, I have two daughters on either end and my boys are in the middle. I don't want to categorize girls as this, but they kind of like to push the envelope of what they wear when they're a teenager (laughs) and boys do too. Sometimes I have one that has a little bit (laughs) and we used to make a really big deal with our oldest about, okay, the standards, and this is how you're going to dress. And this is what you're going to do. And with our youngest, we've been way more like, okay, is that what you're choosing to wear? And I mean, we haven't like just said, Oh, wear whatever you want, because we're obviously buying the clothes and we're having some input, but it's more of a dialogue. Like, why do you want to wear that? And just having a conversation and and then letting them choose and it's going to be okay. Let them have that scenario of being able to choose. And we had another situation with our third who we're Latter-day Saints and we have taught our kids and hope that they would make a choice to go on a mission. We have not said, you have to go on a mission or anything like that, but we have hoped that they've made that choice. And our oldest two have gone and they have both gone to school first and then gone on a mission. And so that was kind of our mindset, like, okay, that's what our kids do. And then our third has come along and said, I don't know if I want to do that. Like, I think maybe I want to go right after I graduate. And it was like, Whoa, we don't know. We don't know. Like, we think it's better that you go to school first. And we've had these back and forth. And finally it was me and my husband taking a step back and saying, 
this is his decision. And we've always said that it's his decision and we can't take control of this. And so we stepped back and said, okay, you do whatever you feel is right. And he's still undecided right now, but right now he's leaning towards going to school first. So, you know, the minute we stepped back and said, this is your choice, then he really started to process and think through what do I really want and what's the best thing for me to do. And so I guess that kind of couples with something else is that I've really learned is that you can't just say, this is what our family does. Every Mm -hmm. kid is different even down to like, you know, I mentioned that my boys wrestle, that was their choice. I didn't say we're going to be a wrestling family, or we didn't say we're going to be an orchestra family, or, you know, we're going to do swim team, or we're going to do cheer or any of that. It was just, okay, what do you want to do and guiding them and helping them to know. And my kids have done all different kinds of things. And they're so different. My kids are so different. So it's not trying to put them in this box that this is what our family does, but letting them be individuals and make those choices and not try to, like I said, micromanage that. I think that's great. I think I'm hearing the answer, but I I think as a parent, it's easy to exaggerate how bad your kids' mistakes might be, Mm -hmm. right? Like every time they climb up a tree, they're certainly going to fall and break their neck, right? And every time they they run out in the street, they're certainly going to get hit by a car. And the reality is most of their mistakes, their failures, as you said, they're not that big a deal. Right. Yeah. But the fear lingers. So how did you overcome that? How do you get yeah. past that fear? I think I kind of alluded to this before. You have to let your kids use their own agency and it's not tied to you. Mm. That's what I had to figure out that, you know, like I mentioned, my husband and I thought we were such great parents and we had these kids that we had just like micromanaged to the point of, you know, they were very well behaved and they were doing all the things we wanted them to do. And then They didn't want to do that when they were a teenager, but really what it came down to is we cared what other people thought. And you have to take your worth as a parent away from the choices that your kids make. And that, I mean, I'm saying that that is super duper hard, especially if you have a kid that's making choices that you would not choose. And I can't say that I've had tons of experience with that because my kids, they have made good choices and the choices that I would choose for them. But I don't know that that will always be the case. I don't know what's going to happen in the future. And I think what I've learned the most is I've had to separate my worth as a person, as a mother from the choices that my kids are making, because you cannot place your worth on somebody else's choices. You don't have control over that. Mm -hmm. They get to choose that. And I've really learned to look at motherhood as more of I'm learning and growing. And it's just a vehicle for me to become who I need to be. And that's what it's more about than how my kids turn out or what choices they make. It's just about what I learn and how I grow and how I become a better person Mm -hmm. is that's what motherhood really is. And it's not really about what your kids choose. I mean, you do the best you can, but you don't tie your worth to the choices that they're going to, to make. Yeah. What's the balance between that and agency and letting them choose and then boundaries. So a specific example is cell phones. I'm terrified of our kids entering that world of social media and cell phones and all of that. So how do you give them agency, but not like let them jump off a cliff, you know? Like, yeah. What's the oh yeah. I mean, definitely you have to have guidelines and wow, we've learned a lot about cell phones. I bet. <laughs> I can yeah. tell you yeah. it's, it has not been a perfect thing and social media use and when to introduce that. And, mm-hmm. and I will say a lot of it has been an individual thing, like knowing our kids individually, And a lot of it has been, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to have these boundaries. And then 
we've had kids cross those boundaries and then we've had to pull back and have, you know, discussions about, Hey, you've broken our trust. And so what are we going to do about that? And you have to rebuild that back. And so, yeah, it's been a lot of give and take and it, it has not been easy, but I think with cell phones specifically for us, it's been, we started out slow and there were a lot of stipulations in the beginning. And then as they've gotten older and older, then we start taking things off because ultimately I don't think you want to control your kid's phone use the entire time they live in your home. Yeah. By the time our kids are a senior in high school, we want them to be able to manage it themselves because they're going to leave home and go to college. And then what happens? There's no safeguards in place. So we just have tried to slowly do that over time. And I will say too, we have really high expectations for our kids, not as a group, but individually, like we know what they're capable of. I'll just use an example of getting good grades. All four of my kids have proven that they are smart and they are very capable and we know that they can get A's. And sometimes that hasn't worked out and we we've been fine with getting a B or a C depending on the situation, but we have had very high expectations for them, but we have balanced that with lots of love and grace. So I think it's a balance of you. It's okay to have expectations and, and guidelines and rules and, and those things, but you balance that out with love. If there's no love that goes along with that. Just the other day, my son, who's a senior was telling me about some friends of his, whose parents are just constantly on him about grades. And he's like, mom, you care about grades too, but I just don't feel that from you. And we had this conversation about, well, we have expectations, but we try to have love too. We try to show that love. It's not perfect. I will not say that, that we are perfect at that, but that's something that we've realized over time that it's okay to have expectations for them. And when I say we're letting them use their agency, it doesn't mean, oh, you got to do whatever you want. You know, there's still guidelines. We still have rules in our family and we talk about things, but it's showing love. And I think To me, a lot of that is, Hey, we have discussions and you bring to the table what you think the solution should be. And we'll listen to you and being able to not always just say, this is the way it is. And, you know, we're going to do that, but having an open dialogue and, and really listening and helping them come up with solutions for things that they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us more about listening. I think that was one of the other things that you told us that you want to talk about is just listening more than you talk. (laughs) And I feel like as parents, we, I always want to like lecture my kid, you know? Oh my gosh. I'm the biggest lecturer ever. Ask my kids. And my (laughs) husband is too. My husband loves to like, you know, we have a couch in our bedroom and that's kind of where we bring our kids in to talk. And it's like, we're standing in front of them. They're on the couch. We're towering over them. My husband was going into these big, long stories about things from his teenager years. And I'm, it just turns into this big lecture and you just look at them and you can see their eyes just, they're <laughs> disengaged and Lost they, over. Don't, they don't want anything to do with it. And we've done that, but it's not effective. And what I've found to be more effective. And again, don't think that I am perfect at this. Cause there's lots of times where I have to go to my kid and say, I'm really sorry. I didn't handle that very well, but let's start over. And we just want to listen to what you have to say. I think that you come to situations where maybe they've done something that they need some correction or they have not made a good choice or they need some guidance in some way. I think stepping back and instead of just talking so much saying, what do you think that that's kind of been my go-to, what do you think about this situation and just listening and letting them talk and talk and talk. It's so hard for me <laughs> just biting your tongue. And cause you know, we're 
how many years ahead of them? And as right. parents, we know more, right? We right. do, but it doesn't serve them well to sit and tell them everything or even try to compare. Well, when I was a kid, we did this. And because I honestly believe that this is the first generation where as parents, we really don't understand what our kids are going through. Mm. I think my parents had a pretty good idea, but yeah. then we, they have so much more pressures and so many more things that we never faced. Yeah. I never faced, you know, the technology and the social media and everybody knowing everything about what everybody's doing at every minute of the day. And, you know, there's just so many things that we never had to deal with. So it really does take us listening and taking a step back and not thinking that we know everything. Cause we really don't, we don't know what happens in the halls of that high school and it's rough for them. It really is. Yeah. 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 Even like we didn't have texting really until about college, end of yeah. high school, college yeah. years. Yeah. Like even us, you're a little bit younger. We didn't have social media. Exactly. Either, so, yeah. You know, like we have, don't no know what that's like. And so, right. when our kids get there, I, I can't relate. <laughs> but yeah. I think that is one of the hardest things is that our kids are going to be experiencing these things that we just didn't experience. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Have you ever, have you ever had a child? that doesn't want to talk that you're like, what do you think? And they're like, I don't know. Oh, have yeah. you, have you gone through that? <laughs> I mean, yes. you have boys. Uh, I feel like they do that more. <laughs> hey. Hey. No, I think it could happen with boys or girls. I really think kind of the stage, it gets better when they get a little older, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to stereotype boys and girls, but my boys were harder in that puberty yeah. time from like 11 to 13 or 14. Yeah. They were hard because I think girls learn to process and talk things out a little bit more, but boys, they don't understand what's going on. <laughs> They're feeling all these emotions and it's like this big roller coaster. And so, so yeah, I mean, I, we've had times where they didn't want to open up and talk and it does kind of make you want to like jump in there and say, well, you should do this. You should do this, right. but mm-hmm. it takes some self-control to just, they'll come around and and my boys have my, my daughters have two. I have one that doesn't open up as much as the other, as her sister does. And I think it just takes time and building that trust and them knowing that you're there no matter what. Not easy though. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Yeah. Like so far, our kids are all pretty talkative, except for one, which is actually one of our daughters. I feel like she's the hardest one to. She kind of clams up. Yeah. She doesn't talk mm-hmm. as much. She doesn't open up as freely as our other kids do. Hopefully we'll get there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this has been great. I think talking about agency and letting your kids choose. And that, I like that that's something I can do now, right? I can yeah, get, a, totally. get proactive with that mm-hmm. and prepare us for this stage of switching from micromanaging to guiding and mentoring and then listening. So I awesome love, tips. I love the, what do you think too? I feel yeah. like, yeah. Our, I think I can use that now with my kids, yeah. just start them processing things a little bit, you know, allowing yeah. them to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that from someone else. And that, I think that was one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got Mm -hmm. about, you know, dealing with your kids and helping them to think. And it's really good to turn it back on them, ask them questions. Like, what do you think? What have you done in the past or, you know, anything like that? Mm -hmm. Love that. It's great. Well, thank you so much. This has been really good. Thanks Um, for having me. So if people want to find you, where can they find more of you? So everything I do is under the name of spiritually minded women. So that is my website. That's my Instagram handle. That is my podcast. And I have done a course in the past that helps moms spiritually empower their teens so that they can go out into the world and do their own thing and not have to rely on their mom or dad. That's going to be 
coming out again in early 2022. So awesome. if you go to any of my Instagram, you can find out more about that or my website, my podcast, any place is great. Cool. Awesome. We'll it. put links to all of that. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks everyone for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at parentinginreallife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids. And so she talks about things like allowing your kids to use their agency as early as early allowing your kids to use their agency and as strokes.